great to be with you again this evening and invite your attention to the book of Psalms tonight, Psalm number 119, and we're going to be looking together tonight at verses 33 to 40, Psalm 119, verse 33 to 40. Education and Christianity have always gone hand in hand, and it seems throughout the history of well, over the last at least few hundred years, wherever Christianity has gone, education has followed. It might interest you to note, if you don't already, that many of the most famous colleges and universities throughout our world, places like Harvard and Yale and Princeton and, uh, and Cambridge, they were all established by those who, although denominational in nature, claimed allegiance to Christianity, and they, the reason why they were so interested in establishing schools is because they recognized that Christianity is a rational and a thinking religion, and they took learning very, very seriously. But Christianity isn't the first religious uh, or religion that has gone hand in hand with learning and with education the children of Israel took learning very seriously as well. The Bible tells us that in Exodus chapter 13, verse number 8, and in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 7, that the Jewish children would be taught the law of God beginning at a very early age. In fact, studying the education practices of the children of Israel will reveal that their education was centered mostly upon the truth of God's word and training in righteousness. We train our children in math and science and reading and things of that nature, and they train their children in those things to some degree, but the major emphasis of the educational system for the ancient Israelites was learning what God's word said and training in how it applied to their lives. But this wasn't something that was... Uh, applicable only to Jewish children. The Bible tells us in, in um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 10 and 11, that the priests had the responsibility of teaching the people, all of the people, from young, uh, young and old as part of their service. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 9 tells us that the Jewish people, the Israelites, they had the responsibility of meditating upon the law of God throughout the entirety of their life. So they took learning very, very seriously. And as we turn our attention to Psalm 119, again looking at verse 33 to 40, we find a section that is all about learning. I've entitled our lesson tonight, Going Back to School, because for the third time in this psalm, the psalmist is essentially going to express his desire to learn. He is going to call upon God to be his teacher. And there are a number of things that he is going to say in this psalm that will help us to understand why it was that he wanted God to teach him and what it was that he, and what it was that he wanted God to teach him. Structurally, as you look at this psalm, what you'll notice is that there are nine short petitions that are found in this psalm. 
And you'll notice that they all begin with an imperative, if you will. Teach me, verse 33. Give me, verse 34. Make me, verse 35. Incline my heart, verse 36. And so on throughout the rest of the section. But in this psalm and in these verses, again, the psalmist is going to answer for us three basic questions as it pertains to learning. He's going to tell us, number one, why it was that he wanted to learn. He's going to tell us, number two, what it was that he wanted to learn. And then number three, he's going to tell us just how serious he was about this education that he was calling upon God to give him. Let's begin by looking at the why in verse number 33 and 34. The psalmist says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Why is a very powerful question. The reason why is such an important question is because why gets to the heart of any matter, and that is the matter of motive. Anytime a person, for example, contacts the school of Bible studies and says that they want to come to school, whenever Steve and Clay have an opportunity to interview them, one of the very first questions that they're going to ask them is, why do you want to come to the Southwest School of Bible Studies? It's an important question because the answer to that will reveal a lot about the person and about what's going on in their mind and in their heart. And the answer to that question can help determine whether or not they are ready or whether or not they are even candidates at all to come to the school. So why is such an important question? Now look at verse 33 and 34 and look at how the psalmist answers this question for himself. Why is it that he wants to learn? The reason is because uh, he wants God to teach him because of what he does not have, but what he needs in order to live a holy life. I'll say that again. He's calling on God to teach him because he recognizes that there are some things that he does not possess, and yet he needs those things in order to live a life that is well-pleasing unto God. His desire is to keep the way of God's statutes to the end, he says. The idea being that there is no time limit on this. He is talking about keeping the statutes of God throughout the remainder of his life. But he also says that he wants to observe those statutes with his whole heart. In other words, without reservation. He wants to give himself completely to the understanding and the application of the law of God. But here's the problem. Look at verse 34. He lacks understanding. I want you to teach me, verse 33, so that I can keep. I want you to give me understanding, verse number 34, so that I can keep and so that I can observe. The problem is that he lacked understanding. He wants God to teach him because he knows he needs it. He knows that he has to have it. Otherwise, he cannot please God. This is his why. Because he knows that there's something he needs that he cannot have without God being his teacher. I want you to step away with me for a moment from Psalm 119, and I want us to make some application to ourselves and ask ourselves the same question, why? 
We have our daily Bible reader count every Sunday morning and every Wednesday evening. We talk often about the importance of reading and studying God's Word, of memorizing Scripture. Why do we do that? Why do you do that? Have you ever thought about that? What is it about the Word of God that gives you or that motivates you to open its pages and to learn it and to apply it and meditate upon it? Well, the Bible actually, outside of Psalm 119, and there are a number of reasons within this psalm, but outside of this psalm, the Bible actually tells us a number of reasons why we ought to be motivated to give our attention to God's Word. Here are just a few. Number one, stability and fruit production. Psalm number one. The blessed man, the Bible says, is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of God, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree that is planted by the river of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, and whatever he does shall prosper, and his leaf will not wither. What does he mean in Psalm 1 when he says all of those things? What he means is that God's word, when we meditate upon it, it will give us spiritual and emotional stability. And fruit production, it's the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it's those aspects or characteristics of being a child of God that are developed and on display within our lives. The psalmist says that comes through God's word. Here's another reason why we ought to be motivated to study, to read, to learn, and that's wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. The Proverbs writer Solomon talks about the importance of attaining wisdom. Listen to what he says. He says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom... And apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. What did Solomon want his son to understand in Proverbs 2, verses 1 through six. He wanted him to understand that if you really want to be wise and wisdom apply, wisdom uh, has to do with skillful living. We're not just talking about instruction and righteousness. We're talking about instruction to be skillful in our lives and to get through this life in a way that is good and a way that is well-pleasing unto God. He says, you're going to find that through scripture. Here's a third, patience and comfort. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4, the Bible says the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. The idea is that the patience and comfort that we're talking about, they come from the scripture. In other words, the scripture is that which produces patience and comfort. To be built up, number four, Acts 20 and verse number 32, the word of God is able to build us up and give us an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Salvation, James chapter 1 and verse number 21, uh, wherefore laying aside uh, ungodliness, uh, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. If that's not enough of a motivation, enough of a reason for us to open up the Bible and to read and study it, then I'm not sure I'm not sure whatever motivation there could be. 
Why do you read? Why do you study? Why do you spend time in God's word? The psalmist says, the reason why I'm asking you to teach me, Lord, is because, is because I want to know your statutes and I want to keep them for the remainder of my life. I want every moment of my life to be dedicated to keeping your word, but I need you to teach me in order to do that. The psalmist knew his why, what's yours? Number two, the next question that the psalmist is going to ask and answer for us is, what exactly was it that he wanted to learn? Whenever we talk to a person who's in college, usually we ask them, what's your major? What are you studying? A lot of times a person will choose their college based on what it is that they want to study. If they want to be proficient in whatever field, then they're going to search out a university that specializes, that is highly ranked in that field. They go for the purpose of studying a particular subject or a particular uh, discipline. Well, as it relates to our study of God's word and as it relates to the psalmist, he talks about the kind of education that he's interested in having, and we might just describe it as being a balanced education. The psalmist is not interested in majoring in any one thing and minoring in anything else. Instead, he wants God to educate him in a way that will completely transform his entire being. He'll address his mind. He'll address his feet. He'll address his heart. And he'll address his eyes. Look at verse 34. In verse 34, again, he says, Give me understanding. When we're talking about understanding, as we have been just for the last few moments, we recognize that understanding is something that has to do with our minds. And of course, Christianity, as we study the Word of God and as we put it into practice in our lives, we recognize that Christianity is a religion that is learned that it begins with our minds. And the reason is because it is impossible to apply something that we do not know. That's why the Apostle Paul begins the practical section of the book of Romans by talking about the mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. He did the same thing in Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 24. He said, do not walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the vanity of your mind. But then he said, rather, he said, you need to walk as one who has been created anew. Walk as the new man whose mind has been renewed, whose mind has been transformed. And then if you study that context, beginning in verse 25, you'll begin to see these concrete actions that show up in their lives, all based upon the fact that their mind has been changed. The psalmist says, I want you to teach me, Psalm 119, verse 33, I want you to teach me as it pertains to my understanding, as it pertains to my mind, as it pertains to my thinking. Let me ask you a question. Do, do our minds matter in our service to God? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. Our minds matter, for example, in worship. When we come to worship God, we come to honor and praise God because of who he is and because of what he has done. But we cannot honor and praise God for his greatness if we know nothing about him and if we do not engage our minds in worshiping him. Our minds matter in faith because we cannot believe in God and in his promises if we do not know what they are. 
Our minds matter as it pertains to spiritual growth because spiritual growth is not a matter of emotion, but a matter of allowing Scripture to change us and help us to grow. The psalmist says, I want you to teach me, Lord, and I want that to begin with the way that I think. I want you to transform fundamentally the way that I think. But then look at verse number 35. He talks about his feet. Make me to walk, he says, in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Look at the word path. The word path, most literally translated, means the trodden way. It's like walking around, maybe you've gone out hiking somewhere or you've gone out maybe in a very densely wooded place thinking, well, there's, there, no one has been here. And then all of a sudden you find a walking path right through the middle of the woods. And you know that you know, people have been here before. They have, they have paved this path or they've made this path. When the psalmist says, make me to walk in, the path, in your paths, what he's saying is there is a way that many faithful people have traveled down before me and I want you to help me to walk down that same path. Does that bring any Old Testament passage to mind? Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse number 16, God said, ask for the what? Ask for the old paths. Seek the old ways. You see, Christians are not innovators, we are imitators. We are not inventing New Testament Christianity as each day goes on. Instead, we are studying ancient principles and precepts, and we are following in the footsteps, following the example of our Savior. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 21. He suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. We've been studying Hebrews chapter 11 in Bible class for, what, the last six months, I think. And in Hebrews chapter 11, of course, we have a great number of men and women of faith. And the Hebrews writer is pointing to those men and women. Why? Because these are examples of people who have been faithful to God. They dedicated their lives to being faithful. And it's as if the Holy Spirit is saying, look, I want to give you these examples so that you know what being faithful looks like. The psalmist says, make me to walk in the paths of your commandments. There are many, many people who have gone on before me who have walked the path of your commandments. They have lived in a way that is pleasing unto you, and I want to walk the same path and live the same life. Please help me to do it. Look at verse 36. He wants to be taught. He wants his mind to be changed. He wants his feet to be directed down the right path, he he also has something to say about his heart. Verse 36, he says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. This is the first passage in in this section in which the psalmist will identify both the positive and the negative. He says, first of all, incline my heart to your testimonies. The, The implication is we have to want to learn We have to want to go to school, if you will. You find one person who shows up to a class at any college or university, you find a person who shows up to a class at the Southwest School of Bible Studies who doesn't actually want to be there, and I'll show you a person who will fail almost immediately. 
If we don't want to be there, and if we don't want to put in the effort to study and learn and grow, then we'll never actually do it. The psalmist says, incline my heart. There is a desire, there is a want, if you will. But then look at the negative. See, he approaches it from the positive, the idea of the heart being invested in learning, but then there's the negative. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. In other words, I want my heart to be invested in learning what you have to teach me, not in things of the world. Covetousness, which is idolatry, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 5, the lesson is that you cannot serve both God and mammon, Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be given to the one and despise the other. You have to pick one. You cannot serve both God and mammon. In other words, you'll either have your heart invested in spiritual things, or you'll have your heart invested in carnal things. And the psalmist says, I want my heart to be invested in spiritual things. I want you to be my teacher, Lord. I want you to teach me, and I want you to transform the way I think. I want you to help me walk down the paths of righteousness. I want you to help me see that my heart heart is dedicated to learning more about you and serving you and not serving the things of this world. And finally, look at verse 37. He talks about his eyes. He says, turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Turn my eyes away. Just like verse number 36 now, we have a positive and a negative. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things. What are worthless things? Well, the things of this world. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Moses, the Bible says, chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25. That in my judgment is the best passage in all of the Bible that, as it pertains to summarizing sin and what it's really all about. It's pleasurable but it only lasts for a short time. And the psalmist says, I want my eyes to be focused on the things that are lasting He says, turn my eyes away from things that are empty and revive me in your way. In other words, give me the kind of spiritual vision that I need in order to focus on learning and doing what is really good and and lasting. So what is it that he wants to learn? What does he want to study? Well, he wants to study everything. He wants God to teach him and he wants God to transform his entire life being, his entire man, we're talking about a complete transformation. And here's the last question. How serious about this education is this psalmist? Look at verse 38, 39, and 40. He says, number one, I want you to establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. The word word in this verse is a word that depending on your translation and even in other parts of Psalm 119 and the King James or New King James Version is actually translated as promise. So it can go either way, but the point is this. I want you to solidify your word. I want you to solidify your promises. I want you to make them firm in my mind. Or I want them to be made firm in my mind really is the idea. 
So what is he saying? What's the point? The point is this, that he is expressing his desire to know and to live by all of the word of God and not just some of it. How serious is he about God transforming him and teaching him? How serious? He says, here's how serious I am. I want all of your word and all of your promises to be like cement within my heart and within my mind. I want them to be permanent fixtures. I want them to never go away. Look what he says in verse 39. He says, turn away my reproach, which, uh, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Now, the interesting question is, reproach from what? The point that he's making is that he's committed to this study, no matter how difficult it may be. And there are, I think, two possibilities for what reproach he may be talking about. Number one, he may be talking about reproach from his own failures. We all, I think, understand what that's about. The shame of our own shortcomings. He says, turn away my reproach. I dread, and we all dread the shame of our own shortcomings and failures. But then a second possibility is that he could be talking about the scorn of his enemies. The scorn of other people that would look at him and say, what are you doing? Why are you spending your life that way? Why don't you go and do something else? Jesus said, you'll be hated by all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end will be granted a crown of righteousness, Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. Paul says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. What are you trying to tell me? What's the psalmist trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. I am committed to this study no matter how difficult things may become for me because number, uh, number 3, verse 40, I long for your precepts. Like David will say, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. The psalmist says, this is the thing that I want most. And like we said a moment ago, you show me a student who enrolls in a class that doesn't really want to be there, and I'll show you a student who's going to fail. The psalmist says, I'm not a student who's going to fail because this is what I want more than anything. Why does he want to learn? Why does he want God to be his teacher? He wants God to be his teacher because he knows that there are some things that he needs to possess in order to be right with God. He doesn't possess them, and God is the only one who can teach him. What exactly is it that he wants to learn? What is this study in which he wants to engage? He wants it to be something that completely transforms him. He wants his thinking to be changed. He wants his feet to be set, to be set firmly on the paths of righteousness. He wants his heart to be focused upon God and his eyes to be fixed upon things that are genuine and valuable and long-lasting. And he is serious about this. He says, I want this type of study to be firmly planted in my mind. I am committed to this no matter how difficult it may become because I want it more than anything else. Now the only thing that's left to ask this evening, the only question that's left to ask is, could we copy and paste ourselves into this psalmist and his sentiments in Psalm 119 verse 33 to 40? Is his, could his why be our why? And could his, uh, the kind of things that he wanted to learn, are those the kind of things that we want to learn? And are we as serious about learning from God as he was about learning from God? If not, why not? 
You know, there's going to come a day, we may not realize it, but there's going to come a day in which each and every one of us is going to take a final exam. We call that the judgment day. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse number 48, the words that I speak will judge you in the last day. It's as if God has given us the answers to the final exam before we ever take the exam, and he says all you've got to do is read it and do it, and then you'll pass. The question is whether or not we're willing to read it and do it. Tonight we're going to offer the Lord's invitation. And it may be that there's someone here who says, you know what, I'm ready to do it. I'm I'm ready to, to start learning. I want to be a student of God. I want him to teach me. I want him to change and transform me. This is what I want more than anything else. And I'll be committed to this no matter what. If that's you this evening, then we are more than more than honored at the opportunity to be able to help you and to direct you toward God and toward his word. Can we pray for you tonight? Can we assist you in some way to be the person that God would have you to be? Can we assist you in your desire to become a Christian? Or maybe if you are a Christian this evening, to uh, redirect your focus and to rededicate your life to the service of God? If you have need, come forward and Let that be known while we stand.